Welcome to Mind Love, episode 205. Today's episode is all about how to consciously evolve your empath sensitivities. If you had a mode of operation, life is communication and you need three things. So you need to have a receiver, a transmitter, and then there's a message. And we're constantly slipping in and out of those three channels so when you're empathic and you're, you've accepted that you're empathic and that you can receive information, then that's where it really gets interesting because you can be curious. Why am I picking this up? Or is this even mine to like witness? It becomes a whole nother level of life and communicating and you get to be privy to it. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are really a great way to give back if you love the show. They help the show climb the charts, which helps me get even more amazing guests for you. Today, I would love to share a review from Your Luscious Liz, who says, I love Melissa's authenticity, vulnerability, and leadership. I've been listening to her podcast for a couple years, and she always has inspirational guests. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. Well, thank you, Liz, for sharing your time and your effort with me and leaving this review. It totally made my day. And now let's get to the show. If you've been listening to Mind Love a while, or you've been on a spiritual journey for a while, you might already know what an empath is. But if you don't, I'll give you a quick refresher. Empaths feel the emotions of other people. They are highly sensitive, both physically and emotionally, and the level of empathy can vary from person to person, almost like a sliding scale. But here's something that may be new information. No one is born an empath. I've heard this before, but in a different light. Many people believe that empaths are always products of trauma meaning that something in their life caused their sensory perceptions, especially of another person, to heighten for their survival. So for example, the child of an alcoholic might become an empath because they never knew if their parent was gonna be the happy sober mom or dad or the happy drunk or the angry and volatile drunk when they came home. This makes sense to me in some cases. But what about the children who display empathic abilities without having trauma? How is no one then born an empath? Well, the word empath itself has a weight to it, or a responsibility, I should say. Our guest today says that an empath should actually be called what she calls a functional empath. Yes, people can be born empathic, but if they don't learn to manage it, they aren't yet an empath. They're just a sponge. Suddenly, my whole life feels explained. Because potential empaths absorb other people's emotions, many potential empaths are a little bit volatile. I know I was. Not saying that I'd blow up at random people, but I would have very high highs and very low lows for seemingly no reason. I felt like I needed alone time, but I was also a little scared of alone time because my feelings were just so big and it was an exhausting wave to ride. Or when I was with people, I'd suddenly be overcome by an emotion and have no idea why. So I'd think, well, there must be a reason to justify these emotions. And then I'd start picking out all the things around me that I didn't like and place the blame. 
Or another example that would happen pretty often, a friend would be having an issue and I felt like I had to solve it just so I wouldn't have to feel their discomfort about it. This happened a lot with friends' boyfriends. It was really difficult to just listen and be supportive because I felt like they just had to break up with them so I did not need to feel their tension. Well, when I began to understand what an empath actually is, I was able to learn some protection strategies. I started becoming better at discerning which emotions were mine and which I picked up from somebody else. I stopped identifying so much with the emotions around me. This alone has changed my life. And also, there is more work to be done in being an empath than just managing how I feel inside and what I pick up. It can be a really amazing gift because it's basically a sixth sense. So beyond just learning to manage it or protect yourself, you can also learn to heighten your gifts in a way that serves you and the people around you. And that's what we're talking about today, how to consciously evolve your empath sensitivities. Our guest is Signe Myers Hovim. She is an author and a spiritual counselor who teaches workshops and training in the art of being an empath around the world. So three key things we will learn are what defines empathic reception, why empathic people have to tend to what's out of balance in their lives to gain authority over their sensory abilities, and how to honor the collective space and filter emotional debris. Plus, at the end of the show, I'll teach you a tool on how to perceive a person's first energy field. So stick around for that. But before we get started, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you get a little inspiration to get in a high vibe mindset for the day. Or think of it as finding your baseline so that you can accurately perceive what's around you. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a 30-minute meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you grow. And it's all completely free. So join over. Before we totally expand our minds, I want to invite you to wake up to the morning mind love. Every weekday morning, you just get a little inspiration to set your tone for the day and give you something positive to focus on. Think of it like a short note from your higher self. Plus, when you sign up, you get two free gifts, a super powerful 30-minute affirmation meditation, and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. And it's all completely free. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up. And now let's welcome Signe Hovum to the show. Hello. Nice to meet you. So to start out, you say that no one is born an empath. What do you mean by that? I mean that we are born sensitive. Our nervous system is kind of hardwired into us and our intuitive channels are also sensory in nature and thus use our nervous system. An empath to me is when you take someone who is empathic, which means that they have intuitive channels that are receiving information energetically, they can take that information and they can have more or less a spiritual maturity or at least some ethical uh, sensibilities that they recognize that they are picking up somebody else's thoughts or feelings that were not necessarily ever intended to be 
picked up. (laughs) And usually somebody who is picking up information from the environment is picking up what people aren't processing. And that's why it's out there in the space. So it takes compassion and it takes some boundaries. And that to me is an empath represents a person who understands that they are intuitively receiving or having a conversation with the environment and that they don't overstep, that they don't try to process somebody else's um, stuff, but they can witness and they can, can be compassionate. And that's a very powerful stance to have in and of itself to witness someone. And, you know, so for me, if you were to tell me you were an empath, I would hope that means that you understand that you are sensitively picking up intuitively information and you know how to respectfully deal with that energy and not be freaked out or triggered by it. It has definitely been a journey of learning that. But you're right, where I think a lot of people do identify as being an empath before they really understand the weight of that word or what it means, when really they might have the potential to be an empath or they're very sensitive, but because they don't learn how to manage it, then they're not quite there yet. So I'm curious, what has been your journey of understanding that you are an empath? Well, it's been a long and winding road. I'm I'm 57. So when I became aware of the word empath, it wasn't until I was maybe late 20s, early 30s. And I was beginning to unravel an understanding for myself that I could receive information from the environment, from other people, from places that was not necessarily mine. And that was a very liberating epiphany because we are kind of, we don't, we come into the world without a manual and we kind of presume that if we feel something, it must be ours. And trying to unlearn that, that you can actually feel tension or you can feel what's not being spoken or you can feel so much and yet it has really it's not originating from you I think when we come back to for myself when I started to understand the power that each individual has as a creator and as a person who can understand that they generate thoughts they generate their emotions and so these thoughts and feelings that we have with our mind are originated from us when you start picking up other people's thoughts, it takes a lot of discipline to kind of say, is this mine? And I went through a lot of is this mine phase in my early 30s as I was trying to really work with letting go of phantom pain that I would experience. And I would go to the doctor and I would explain what I was feeling and I would have a lot of different tests done and they would be all inconclusive. And then I started to have a little bit of mystical experiences that made me realize if I turned inward and actually sat with myself and began to understand my own, accept my own life story, because you really have to clean up your own triggers from your own life, from your own life experiences. And once you begin to accept what is yours and own it and process it, it makes it much easier to then discern when you pick up something that, you know, this isn't mine. (laughs) This doesn't originate from me. It might be similar in a way, but it isn't mine. And for me, it was a process of, I would say, a good five to eight years really investing in accepting my story, my life experiences 
letting it be wisdom and a teaching to me. And it then cleared up for me the ability to be more receptive to what I was receiving rather than trying to hide from it. So when you experience Well, it's funny because I want to say your empathic gifts, but I know that you have an issue with labeling your empathic ability as a gift. Why is that? I think for myself, I went from back in 2007 when I started to do workshops on evolving your sensitivities is kind of what I declared it. There was a lot of, in the spiritual industry, there was a lot of self-help advice about that you needed to protect yourself. So there was an era of people really being almost fearful of this um, gift and that they needed to protect themselves. And then you fast forward to today or in the last five years and you see that the buzzword of being an empath and empathic is really prominent. And with it comes a lot of language about being a gift or a superpower. And for me, I feel it's compensating for the fact that as empathic people, we really aren't given a lot of permission or room to discover who we are. And I speak a lot about this in my book about how if you go to the dictionary and you look up empath or empathic, it will state the origin is in science fiction and fantasy. And this really diminishes anyone's chance to really identify with us or to express themselves. For me, I want people to understand that every single one of us is communicating all the time. And that requires our nervous system. It requires our consciousness. It requires our perception. And intuitive channels such as being an empath is just expanding the conversation that you're having with yourself and the environment. And so to start saying that that's a gift to me is really taking you out of the equation a bit because if you're going to be authentic and empowered and true to yourself, you would understand that everyone more or less has this opportunity and it's just about uh, coming home to yourself. I hope that gives a little bit of clarity to that. It does. And I agree with you. And I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. 
So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. It does, and I agree with you, and and I've gone through the whole journey of all those things. <laughs> like, oh, I'm an empath. It's a gift. Oh, I need to protect myself. Oh, like, and I feel like for a lot of people, it's fun to identify with a new label. But before you really understand what that means, what it means usually is understanding how to manage that, how to use that extrasensory ability, however that manifests for you in a way that's actually helpful rather than just another reason to sort of be self-obsessed, <laughs> if that makes sense, which I think, unfortunately, we do see a lot of in the spiritual community. But I first learned I was an empath and I did all those same things where I was trying to protect myself. And then I started to really just ask myself the hard questions, like, why is this here? What's in this for me? Why do I have this? And that's led me down a whole other path of really wanting to understand how to use these abilities or how to heighten them instead of always trying to turn them off or avoid the big feelings that I might come in contact with, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think you stated very eloquently what an empathic person, they have this kind of challenge um, that's presented to them that's unique and customized. You are an empath. I am an empath, but your life is your life and your story or your experiences have really helped you understand empathy in a way that maybe I don't. And so this is why each person needs to embrace their story, understand what are all these experiences presenting to them. And I think to that, what you were saying about being overwhelmed, as you live your life in 
you go through periods where you get new experiences and you learn to kind of bring them on board and you learn lessons from them. And this is true with your empathic opportunities. And so you'll have moments where you feel a bit overwhelmed because it's new. It's a new sensation. You need to have an experience around it to create knowingness. This is kind of the journey. And I think what's happened for myself, because I've had periods in my life where I felt like, holy moly, there's a lot coming at me and I have no reference point. I have no understanding of this. And yet I had to come back to myself and I developed a lot of strategies for feeling grounded and feeling centered in myself and developing trust in myself that I would be okay and that this was just information and what is this message to this information. And I say that life, if you had a mode of operation, life is communication and you need three things. So you need to have a receiver, a transmitter, and then there's a message. And we're constantly slipping in and out of those three channels. So when you're empathic and you've accepted that you're empathic and that you can receive information, then that's where it really gets interesting because you can be curious. Why am I picking this up? Or is this even mine to like witness? It becomes a whole nother level of life communicating and you get to be privy to it. What I love about really actually being an empath has come from the habit of these practices, which I am still learning to manage, to be honest. But more often now, I will check in with myself instead of placing blame, which is something that I used to do. It's like, I would feel uncomfortable and I didn't know where it was coming from, or I would feel suddenly angry or sad or depressed. And And because I didn't know where it was coming from, but I thought, well, I couldn't just logically have an emotion. Something must be wrong. And so then I would be looking at my environment for like the things maybe I didn't like and be placing the blame. And then I would create whole new neural loops about like maybe not liking the heater on in the car or something (laughs) and just creating these stories that didn't make sense. And so I remember learning, realizing that I could pick up energies from other people and first diving into how to manage that after a good amount of years of just absorbing and not knowing how to manage it beyond that, but then starting to discern and be like, okay, is this mine? But it created a new habit of, like I said, just checking in with myself more often. What am I feeling right now? Whether or not I'm picking up somebody else's emotions. And so not only have I become more in tune with how I perceive things in my surroundings, but I'm also more in tune with my own feeling patterns, if that makes sense. And that's exactly what I would advise anyone to do. You need to have your own baseline so that you can more easily identify when you're picking up something from externally. And you can do that because you know what your emotions are. You know why you would be feeling what you're feeling. Is it reasonable that you would have this thought? So that is, I think, really crucial. And part of that is coming from language as well, that you feel something to the point that you can name it, not label it. I'm really big on not trying to label things, but naming is fluid. And if it helps you for that moment, process it, then do so. And you can have your own glossary and it can be as 
interesting as does something feel prickly? Is it texture feeling? Is it kinesthetic? Is it emotional and uh, feeling fluid? Is it rigid and mental? I often say that when I'm picking up random thoughts and if the word not, it's a mental projection. It's very wise what you're doing, you know, knowing yourself. I started my book with a quote from a Greek poet, Pindar, and it's learn who you are and be such. And that had been my mantra is, who am I? And inevitably, my empathic abilities, more or less the most authentic part of me, it made me question who I was beyond culture, uh, beyond society, And it brought me to nature, which is the most authentic expression we have in our world. Yeah, you talked a lot about your relationship with nature in your book. How does that relate to your sensitivities? Nature, because it has this authentic presence, it's actually very relaxing to be around nature because you do not have to figure out what it is. You know, it's a tree and the tree may have a certain feeling, but it doesn't have an agenda. For me, nature has always been a sanctuary for me that it helps me recharge. But nature too has taught me so much about energy. When you look at the way that your body functions, it has seasons. It also, it replicates things that you see in nature, such as pulsing. The ocean waves have a pulse to it, you know, a rhythm to it. Well, your heart beats, your circulation needs that mechanical pumping, your esophagus to swallow, you have a contraction, you have this pulse of contraction and then letting go. And a healthy energy body is also breathing and moving and pulsing. And that is life. Life is a pulse. And so nature has really, when I'm confused or if I'm curious about a mechanics of something, I typically turn to nature because that is where the wisdom is held. It's so true because I live in nature now. I live up in a mountain town and it's interesting to me just going outside and very much being able to feel a vibrant energy even when no one else is around and for me that helps me to establish the baseline that I want to have and it's not always the baseline that I have when I'm by myself in my house and I picture it almost as nature just has this vibrant energy it's not tainted by sadness or what happened yesterday or whatever it's just sitting there being life. It's being. And so nature really teaches me how to be in a way that was really hard for me to find when I was living in the city. And one of the things you talk about is that our intuitive senses operate from different energy centers within the energy body. Can you go deeper on that? Yeah, they're called the subtle bodies. And the subtle bodies in my book, I try to really give anecdotes or metaphors or analogies to kind of help bring an abstract concept of, because not everybody sees energy or feels it, and yet it's there. So I hope it took a long time languaging my book so that I could bring as many people into this conversation. And so when I started to talk about the subtle bodies, I use the analogy if we were an octopus and we had tentacles The octopus uses its tentacle to reach out and to feel its environment. 
And we do the exact same thing. We have four subtle bodies that I kind of say, oh, imagine these are your tentacles. But you have one that's for emotions. It's your emotional body that corresponds to your second chakra. You have your mental tentacle, I would say, and associated to your solar plexus or your third chakra. You have your physical body, which is your root chakra. And then you have your spiritual body, which is related to your heart chakra. It is through these kind of subtle energy bodies that we are kind of reaching out and testing the environment. And they're called subtle bodies because it's done so subtly that you don't quite realize this is what you're doing unless you become very aware of it and very intentive about where your energy goes or how you let your energy out into a room. Because just as much as we can pick up in a room, we can also project into a room. And this is where you can find toxic environments is because there's so much unconscious projection going on. So the subtle bodies are very much part of what I consider if you're going to do the arc from being an empathic person who's kind of on survival mode to moving more towards being an empowered empath, it's going to be because you start to learn about your energy. You had said earlier that as an empathic person, we really need to tend to what's out of balance in our lives so that we gain authority over our sensory abilities. How does our own, whether it's unprocessed stuff or the things that we don't even see within ourselves, how does that affect our abilities as empaths? Well, and that's a great question because a little humility, we have to realize that we all have life lessons, that we're each in our own way sorting through whatever trauma we might have endured or experienced. And when you understand that your nervous system has been experiencing from the time that you were in utero and then you come out into the world, it's been recording and receiving a lot of information. So when we start to kind of heal ourselves, it allows us to kind of have that space to not be triggered or to not be reactive and that we can regulate and find our balance better when we can accept that, oh, I'm feeling this. I Is it really what I think it is or is it my trigger that's making me instantly jump to this conclusion? And do I need to give this some space for it to really reveal the truth in it? And I also say that if you're not a very patient person, your empathic nature is going to bring that lesson to you. Because I think what happens for a lot of us as we're either not awake or we're beginning to awake, we're very quick to jump to conclusions or to think we know exactly what it is when in fact it's more nuanced and there's more to be revealed. And so being patient with what you receive and not going to instantly feeling like you know exactly what this is about is one of the things I would advise as well. I heard an interesting thing presented by Titiana Dolan, who is Donna Eden's daughter. Um, Donna Eden is a very well-known energy teacher. And they had had a recent course on the five elements. And they talked a lot about how very sensitive people usually have a lot of water element in them. But the thing with an unbalanced water is that just like being underwater, 
sounds can be distorted, your vision can be distorted. And so if you're unbalanced because of your own issues, it will impact how you hear things, the way you might hear tones. And that is where it takes a lot of kind of self-love and patience with yourself to say, you know, this is what I'm initially picking up. I don't quite know exactly what this is in relationship to me, but this is how it made me feel. And it really triggered some of these issues for me. So this is where my work is. And that is where you go and you go do your own work. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order.
that reminds me of my husband and I. He knows I can be a sponge. I'm working on moving from sponge to empath. <laughs> but there's times where maybe something stressful at work happens and he'll sort of protect me from it, I guess, just because there have been times in the past where what might be a moment of stress for him leaks into me and then I carry it all day long. <laughs> so something that we've had to work on. But you bring up communication styles in your book and it was something that I really resonated with because I kind of subconsciously started communicating. Maybe that's my own evolution, communicating differently with him. When I'd feel something previously in the beginning of our relationship, I'd almost be like sitting there, like waiting for him to bring it up. Like, are you going to say something? Like, why is this weird energy here? And then I'd be sitting there in it, not really knowing how to protect myself from it, kind of thinking it's his, but then I'd be almost getting angry about it or like becoming stressed. And then all of a sudden I'm carrying it and I don't even know that I'm carrying it. (laughs) So that was us in the past. But now I'm like, I feel something. And instead of, like you said, immediately labeling it for him, I'm just like, I feel something. Something's off. What's up? (laughs) You know, do you want to talk about it? Whatever. And sometimes he still will say like, I don't want to bring you into it. Or sometimes it'll open up a discussion. And so that alone is a healthier way than the previous two of absorbing it or naming it for him. But how do you recommend communicating about things like that, especially in a close partnership? Because I've had a lot of people in my audience that relate to being an empath or a sponge, wherever they are in that journey. And I know for them that relationships in general, close relationships can be difficult because of their tendency to absorb. When we're in a partnership, we are creating a unit. There's two individuals. And so if you think about the energy of the unit is kind of comprised of both parties. And if one party is out of balance, the other party will probably feel it because they either have to pick up the slack or they have to kind of manage in some way what is the imbalance causing to the unit. So I always want people to realize that you are first and foremost an individual and what you're contributing to the unit is going to really determine where are you with capacity to care. If you're stressed you automatically, your capacity to care about something outside of yourself goes down. I think it's really good to have healthy check-ins with each other and even having that self-awareness that I have a lot going on. I'm, I'm processing quite a bit. I don't have the capacity to be that available for you at this moment. It just brings honesty into the communication and it also requires the maturity to say, okay, I'm not so needy that I need my partner to be sharing everything with me or there's some accountability there of allowing and trusting your partner that they need time and space to process whatever's going. So if they say, I don't want to bring you into it, trust them on that and until it's proven otherwise. You said earlier how most of the things that we pick up as empaths are other people's emotional and mental debris, that's all their unprocessed stuff, basically. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. In my book, I liken to a factory. And a factory can be judged on how well it has its emissions. And its emissions are usually based on how good is the manufacturing or the factory at processing whatever it's 
taking on. And we do the same things. When you encounter someone who is self-aware, who understands that they might have a few triggers or they have their issues, but yet because they're self-aware, they're not letting that be displaced through their behavior and it doesn't impact their relationships as much. But then you can have someone else who is less self-aware really hasn't taken or the opportunity hasn't arisen where they start to look at some of their issues and their triggers of what causes them to be imbalanced or so it gets flushed out into like displaced behavior and then everyone in the room can feel it or experience that this person is not as balanced so it's energetically okay if you imagine that you were a figure skater and you're doing one of these twirls and you notice that she can create her speed by how she brings her arms into her and she can go much faster. So she's bringing her arms into her, it's centering her and yet she can go faster. But if she puts her arms out, she can slow down. And when we aren't processing something, when we're in denial, when we're, it's kind of a fragmented episode in our life that we haven't integrated, it is farther out afield and it can be pushed out into the environment just like the hands going out and the person kind of is slowed down a bit. Their relationships uh, might be problematic or they might be a little bit stressful. But the more we own our stuff, bringing it closer to our chest, and if you notice that figure skater is bringing both of her hands, usually typically upon her heart. And I like to use this imagery because when we bring ourselves to our heart, to breathe with our heart, to connect to nature through our heart, to accept lovingly, compassionately, wherever we're at, even if we may not feel we're completely whole, but that's our intention. This is part of why when somebody says, I'm going to own my stuff, but that is that owning, it's that processing, it's coming into your heart and accepting it. One of the things that you teach about is honoring the collective space and learning to be a spiritual level. What does that mean and how do we do that, especially with all the emotional debris around? (laughs) Right. Well, I was really happy when I was writing this book because I talk a lot about the, the fundamental purpose, I guess, an empath has is that they sense balance. They sense when a room is out of balance or there's tension or what's not being said. There's this kind of innate knowingness. I mean, even if you close your eyes and you're in a room and just use your sensory intuitive to see how the space feels, you can start to feel like a level, what's balanced, what's not, even in your own body. Like I do this a lot. I scan myself and ask, do I feel level in all directions? And if some part of me is more contracted than another, I go and I breathe into that situation. I breathe into that part of my body or my energy system, bringing life to it because that is what ultimately breath does. The level, when I was writing, I realized that the carpentry tool of a bevel is also called a spirit level. And I really like that connection. So in a collective space, particularly if you were attending to a retreat and people are sharing, there is an active aspect of listening to someone else and giving them space and support to share what they want to share 
without you having to take it on. And I think it's very important for sensitive people not to want to instantly go to being the rescuer. Letting people have their own epiphanies is truly the most graceful thing I think we could afford each other. Someone else telling you something you haven't quite figured out yourself denies you that sense of authority that you figured it out and you brought it home. That's not to say that going to counseling and getting therapeutic help isn't important because oftentimes a really good therapist or holistic therapy is all about giving you that space to be vulnerable to hear yourself and to listen, because I tend to say that healing really begins when you can hear yourself. And hearing is more or less out of your emotional body, whereas listening is more out of your mental body because you're listening to details. When you're in a collective space with a group, really ask yourself, has the group defined its intention for how is that space being used? Is everybody kind of aligned to what that intention is? All of that very mindful practice helps elevate the energy of the space really profoundly as opposed to having a mix matched of different people with different intentions. So I feel a collective space is very profound and powerful as long as you recognize boundaries and being supportive and never in detriment to yourself. One of the sentences that you had in your book that I just really loved, so I wrote it down and now it's on my mirror, is that our empathic abilities align us to this cathartic spiritual service. It's an act of mirroring to others what's within them and they haven't expressed yet. And I find that so helpful because I have been the impatient empath. I was sharing earlier how There have been times in my life where before I knew really what was going on with me, like friends would be going through breakups or would be having troubles with their partners and I would just want them to break up with them so I didn't have to feel their discomfort. (laughs) And so I was always like, well, I can just clearly see this pattern. You guys are going to break up soon anyways. Then I evolved beyond that, but it still can be kind of difficult to have that patience, but something about seeing myself as a mirror for what's with that they haven't expressed and reminding myself that everyone's on their own journey. And if they come to it on their own, it is going to be so much more powerful in their life. And I learned this back when I was a suicide crisis counselor. Our job was not to fix their problems. It was to ask them the right questions to find their own internal empowerment And also now that I'm a mom, I'm always kind of connecting the dots of all the different pieces of information that I'm learning. One of the things I learned is that when you show a child how to use a toy, for example, they'll lose interest in it faster than if they figure out how to use the toy themselves. And I wonder how true that is for us if we figure out different aspects of ourselves without somebody just telling us our curiosity is peaked more. Our sense of wonder or our willingness to explore ourselves is more lit up than we would be if somebody just said like, oh, you're obviously going through this, this, and this. I can see it clearly. Why can't you? (laughs) You know what I mean? No, that's really true. And that is that, you know, that spiritual maturity is how I phrase it. To know that, one, you don't know everything. And two, you are just having this experience, seeing feeling or assessing a thought. I'm really big on people 
putting themselves in the equation of their life. There's so many people I feel that have displaced their authority based on culture or society or just trying to fit in, conforming. And coming into your own equation means that you honor yourself. You are curious even about yourself. I had somebody once in my practice where they were always asking me to pray for them. And they would be desperate. And obviously I prayed. It's not like I denied them that. But I got to a point where I finally asked them, why are you willing to ask me to do something for you that you won't do for yourself? And I really needed this person to understand how far out of the equation of their own healing they had put themselves. So it is very empowering to be curious. And I think as an empathic person, our sensory nature has really set us up to be very curious and to be constantly in a state of expanding and learning and feeling and learning more and more with each moment who we are. One of the things that you said in your book was that our subtle bodies work together to create different expressions of dimensional consciousness. What do you mean by that? Great questions. When I started on my like independent study of myself, it's because I am married to a foreigner. I've lived around many places feeling a little bit isolated and cut out from resources. So I really took it upon myself to start figuring out some of the things I was curious about. And one of the things that had been promoted a lot was about how mass consciousness was shifting from like three-dimensional into fifth dimensional. And there would be all this kind of talk about fifth dimensional. And I never quite understood it. But there was a lot of talk still about something that was going to be from outside of us that would come to us. And then we would be able to be fifth dimensional. But when I started to do my own look to nature, look within, the answers are there, be curious, just open to receive. I received quite a bit of information that helped me at least. And this is what I've tried to put into the book. And part of it was realizing that this whole talk about fifth dimension is something that deals with energy. And we show up here as a body and a soul and our energetic makeup. And we have everything that we hear. We just need the mind and we need to have our focus and our intention. And for me, I saw that the stacking of the chakras and the subtle bodies and how they were in their own form. You could have an experience where it was just a purely physical. You, you hit your knee and you have that pain and, oh, you know, yeah, I hit my knee and there's the pain. But then you could have the emotional experience of, oh, I hit my knee. Why am I always hitting myself? I'm clumsy. And you start to feel kind of past pains. And so the emotional things that you've been storing come up. And so then the fact that you're judging yourself against your past experiences, your mental body has come in and is offering that kind of judgmental aspect. But when you get to the fourth subtle body, it's in your heart. And that's kind of your bridge between your physical and your spiritual. And your heart is where forgiveness and compassion, when it's balanced, you're able to really give both ways to outside yourself and inside yourself, compassion and forgiveness. And so if you were to like consider that three-dimensional um, consciousness, 
is your physical, your mental, and your emotional, that is somebody who's operating in the world where they're very focused outwardly, their external world is kind of dictating to them who they think they are or who they have experienced themselves. But when you start to bring in the fourth subtle body, the heart chakra and the spiritual body, you get an expanded ability to have empathy that's just not so personal to your life, but to its universal empathy because you've accepted that all life forms and the rights to life and harmony and all of these things. So the more you bring in compassion and forgiveness and empathy, it's creating a larger network of how you experience yourself, how you experience society, the world in general. But the fifth dimension is when all four of those sync up together and create almost like a singularity that there is oneness in everything. You don't see a separation. You don't experience a separation. And that is a very tall order for our state of being right now and in, in the world because there is a lot of polarity and there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of emotional trauma that's needing to be healed. And for myself personally, I've had a mystical experience where I could say I experienced that point of singularity and that oneness and that stillness and it changed my life and not get back there but it's definitely something that is in my memory and in my cells and I understand that there is a way to live in the world where you are not tearing yourself down nor do you need to tear anyone else down but you want to show that you are actually more there's so much potential for love and compassion and peace. Well, thank you so much for what you've brought to this conversation, especially at a time right now that just that ending of <laughs> that last reflection you just shared with us is so needed right now because you're right. We are experiencing a lot of polarity. I like to hope that it's usually like the last tantrum before a little bit more calm, maybe <laughs> things get a little bit worse before they get better. But with knowledge, like you're sharing of understanding how to not just process our own emotions, but how to navigate a field of other people's feelings and emotions and the way they're being in the world. Those are the things that are needed to really find that oneness that you talked about. So Thank you again. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your book, where is the best place for them to connect? Yeah, my website is www.smhovum, my last name, H-O-V as in Victor, E as in Edward, M as in Mary.com. And I have all the kind of links to where they can buy the book. Today is actually my publication date. So I'm very excited to have spoken to you on this very auspicious day for me. And there's also a link there. There's an ebook version as well, and there's an audiobook version. And also, they could find other information out about me. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 205. So your challenge for this week is actually a little bit more of a tool. I told you at the beginning of the episode that I will share a tool with you on how to perceive somebody's first energy field. And yes, I did learn this from Signe's book. So what you're going to do is close your eyes. I recommend putting on a blindfold so that you're not distracted by the shadows that you could still see behind your eyelids. Then have a friend or a loved one stand in front of you. 
Have them move forward step by step and just tune into your body. See what you perceive. And when you begin to feel their energy, just say stop and see how close they were. One thing I find interesting is that close friends or partners will usually end up being closer to you because our energies entrain together. How fascinating is that? So this is the first step though, is just playing with your subtle energy body. It's the first step towards perceiving it on a deeper level. The first time I ever did this, I remember thinking, oh, man, I thought I was really sensitive, but for some reason, <laughs> people are getting a little bit closer than I thought they would. Well, at the time I was also on copious amounts of party drugs pretty regularly, so that makes sense. But I will say that regardless of what else I was putting into my body, which does matter by the way, the more you practice, the more you will understand what your cues of sensing subtle energy are. So while it might feel really obvious to you when you sense somebody's anger because you're used to doing that, you might not be used to sensing somebody's other subtle emotions. So the more that you practice, not only will you understand your own subtle energy better, but you'll be able to perceive what's around you as well. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you love Mind Love and want to support the show, the best way to do so is by joining Mind Love Premium. You get all of the backlogs of exclusive episodes plus meditations and other bonuses. And you can do that on my website at mindlove.com premium or right in the Apple Podcast app. The Apple Podcast app is less friction. It's easy to do, but I do prefer my website. But honestly, I am grateful either way. You can also support one of my amazing sponsors. I absolutely love them all. I vet them all. I use them all and they're amazing. Or you can just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or share the show. So lots of ways to support Mind Love. I appreciate any way that you choose to do so. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.